What does ministry to individuals and families in an inner city church look like today? We'll find out. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting Faith and Family. Find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. Look for Concordia University, Wisconsin in the sponsor section. They are fine underwriters of Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Joining us by phone, Pastor John Sugaten. He's pastor at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Pastor Sugaten, welcome. Good morning. It's good to be here. Thank you, Andy. Glad to have you with us. Looking forward to learning about uh, your unique ministry at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Also joining us by phone this morning, Deaconess Kelly Jacob. She also serves with Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Deaconess Jacob, welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure to uh, to have you both this morning and looking forward to learning about uh, the, the ministry to which you both have been called to serve in this inner city congregation, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church. Pastor, tell us um, tell us about your background. What led you to, uh, well, this led you to become a pastor and this journey to Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Cincinnati? Sure. Um, Andy, I'm an SMP pastor, so that means a specialty ministry uh, pastor. Uh, through uh, the wonderful program, uh, I was able to be ordained, uh, and I was called up by Prince of Peace, so I was called uh, while I was serving here. Um, in terms of my, my background, I'm from the inner city of Chicago, so born and raised uh, in Chicago, and um, I'm also uh, a mixed race, so I'm half Asian and half Caucasian, and because of how I grew up and uh, who I am and um, the way that I, I like to serve the Lord is, is in a very diverse uh, atmosphere, and that's what Prince of Peace is. Uh, we are in the Over the Rhine neighborhood in Cincinnati, which is located right next to downtown. A uh, very diverse uh, community. Historically, has been a very uh, impoverished uh, community, so lots of homelessness, um, lots of crime, um, addiction, mental illness. Uh, in fact, for a long time, Andy, we were the only uh, live entity on our block here and over the Rhine. Mm. Uh, so Prince of Peace was it. Uh, when I drove up uh, to my church, when I first started serving here about uh, 16 years ago, uh, the drug dealers used to kind of uh, <laughs> uh, leverage to see who could come to me first. And then thinking I was a customer, then once they realized I was Pastor John, they... Uh, they just backed away. So that's how the community was at one time, although it's uh, changed drastically right now. Deaconess Kelly, tell me about your background. What led you to consider this vocation of deaconess? Uh, yeah, so I grew up uh, on an Indian reservation in Nebraska, Winnebago, Nebraska, and my dad is a missionary there. Uh, that was his second call. And um, so I grew up in a, a ministry context and just have always had a heart for, for people for sharing hope and encouragement. And um, the deaconess part, it just kind of seemed like to be a perfect fit. Um, So that's what I went into, and everything continued to fall into place, and uh, God led me here. So I've been at Prince of Peace for a year and a half now. When you first learned about Prince of Peace as a a deaconess and the opportunity to serve there, what were some of the things that that stood out for you as you were learning about this this ministry? (laughs) Well, it's a, it's a very, um, as Pastor John has said, it's a very diverse and uh, unique context. Um, so I really didn't know what to expect when I first came. 
Um, but I quickly grew to love just the the diversity, the unknowns, the unexpected. You never know when you walk in the door what's going to be going on. And at times that's um, overwhelming, but then other times it, it just keeps things interesting. And um, there's just a lot of opportunities to, to grow and to learn and, and to love people um, in just different ways to really just practice um, what we preach of being in the hands and, and feet of God. So Pastor. great place to serve. Pastor, tell me more about this Over the Rhine community uh, in Cincinnati and the, the, the role that Prince of Peace has, has played in this neighborhood. Sure. So um, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church uh, began in 1849. Uh, the church building was built in 1871, and it's always been a Lutheran church. But over the years, the neighborhood has changed. Uh, originally, it was German settlers that settled next to a canal that used to run through Cincinnati. That's no longer here. Uh, the German settlers called that canal the Rhine. So where do you live? I live over the Rhine, and that <laughs> name stuck. Uh, the canal is now gone. Uh, it's been long gone, but the name is still with us. Um, and then in the 1950s, uh, the neighborhood started to change, and German settlers uh, no longer uh, resided here in Over the Rhine, and, and Appalachians and African Americans and uh, Hispanic populations moved in. Uh, and since that time, uh, uh, crime increased, uh, unemployment increased, homelessness and, and the like, typical conditions that you would see in any inner city. Uh, but Andy, lately, uh, the reverse has been going on. It, it's now a very eclectic neighborhood. Uh, gentrification has been going strong now for the last few years. And in fact, right now, our block, where Prince of Peace is located, is going through drastic uh, gentrification. So every building is being uh, remodeled. Millions of dollars are being poured in. And uh, it's a kind of a strange atmosphere to be in because Prince of Peace has and continues to serve the homeless. We're a cold shelter in the winter. Our cold shelter is about to begin. December 15th, and we let the homeless sleep in our church to the end of February. We serve seven meals a week here, uh, serving the homeless. And Deaconess Kelly heads up the Bridge Ministry, which is a ministry specifically focused on serving the homeless. Uh, We have a kids' church, which is like VBS every week. We're in the city. Kids actually walk to our church, uh, and we uh, give them the gospel. Uh, And quite often... These children have never had a uh, history, um, a tradition of church in their household, and we are giving that to them. So in, in terms of where we are now, Prince of Peace, we continue to serve the homeless. We continue to serve those that are marginalized, those that have been forgotten. Quite often, the homeless are dealing with some kind of addiction, drug or alcohol, a mental illness, and some kind of version uh, to society. Uh, so we still continue to serve them, but trying to wade now our way through the waters of a mix of high-end uh, economic climate, of people moving in that are actually wealthy, uh, amidst this environment of homelessness is a very strange mix. But through it all, we still proclaim law and gospel. We still gather around word and sacrament. Deaconess Kelly, tell me about the the bridge ministry. Where did the idea for that begin, 
and what does it look like today? Yeah, um, so the bridge ministry originally started with uh, a deaconess here uh, several years ago. Her name was Deaconess Sharon Teague, and uh, I think she just saw a need in the community for a place for people to come and um, like a refuge in from the community, uh, from everything going on on the outside. Um, so we we really try to make it a piece uh, or a place of peace and of welcoming. So anyone is welcome to come in. Uh, we provide physical food, uh, nourishment. Um, so we have bagels and coffee and donuts um, during the morning hours. And then we have um, a Bible study every day and then lunch afterwards. And then during, during all throughout during that time, people can come and talk with me. Um, I try to, they have different uh, needs, so I can try to connect them to different resources in the area or something at our church. And then I also can uh, just encourage them, can pray with them, just try to be a community for people. How do you reach the community? How do you to how do you connect? How do people in the community find out about this the bridge ministry? And then how do you build those relationships so that it continues to be a what appears to be a, a, a very um, a very vital and 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 flourishing ministry in your community? Yeah, well, I think over time, people have just come to, to know what it is three days a week. And um, it's fascinating in the, in the homeless community, uh, word spreads like wildfire. One, one person talks to someone else and talks to someone else. Like they, they spread information really well. Um, and then we also put out a sign and I, in the front of our church. And I know that people just see that and are walking by and come in because um, I'll ask them, oh, how'd you hear about us? Were you just walking by? And they're like, yeah, we just saw your sign and came in. Um, so it's really neat. I get I get to meet a lot of different people throughout the week uh, that come in once, or there's other people that come in all the time and are regulars. Um, how does how do you through the the bridge ministry break or or change the the cycle that that often tends to keep people in. Um, well, uh, keep them captive either to to uh, an addiction or uh, captive to the the symptoms of an illness. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's one of our our major challenges um, because with with anyone, whether it's um, whether you're struggling with an addiction or anything in life, um, it has to be you. You have to be the one that is willing and then able to make a change in your life. Um, and so what we try to be is a, a supportive community. We try to maybe if there's someone that is not even aware of um, the need for a change, uh, we try to, like I, 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 am, I also have a background in social work as well. And so we have different questions and um, ways that we go about uh, talking with them to try to get them to be thinking about different options of, hey, maybe maybe this would be a better way to, to go about um a certain thing and so how it helps to help them to get to be thinking about change if they're not aware of it and then also help them to think through okay so what are what were the possible steps of achieving that change and achieving um, something different um, and then that's all within the context of relationship uh, there's been studies that done that um, one of the best ways to um, to end the cycle of homelessness or poverty is through relationships and so that's what we really strive to be is a place where people are known, are known by name. Uh, I try my best to know people's names, um, but even if I if I say the wrong name, they're really gracious and they <laughs> they'll they'll smile anyway and, and laugh it off. And uh, they love just that I that I try to get to know them, that we try to get to know them there. Um, so I think just being a place where where they feel welcome and supportive, that's the like we're kind of an incubator for 
on the possibility of change uh, when the person is ready. When you speak about the the bridge ministry, you refer to it as we. Who are the we that uh, that comprise this this bridge ministry to serve in your community? Yeah, um, so I, I coordinate. We have a, a few core volunteers, um, mainly from our church, um, but then also from from other places as well. Um, we have different students that come through sometimes uh, from our University of Cincinnati in town, or maybe different um, other students. And then, of course, Pastor John is there as well. And, um, yeah, just kind of a, a, a small but mighty group of volunteers that's with me. Pastor John, have you found that when uh, when people come to you from the community, they maybe don't know who Lutherans are or not know much about Lutherans? What is the, what is the perception of uh, Lutherans or the Lutheran Church from the community when they come to you, when they meet you for the first time? Absolutely. That's a, actually a great question. Um, we have six Bible studies a week at Prince of Peace, and uh, three of them are during the bridge ministry. And when I lead Bible study, uh, you have such a wide variety of individuals sitting around that table. It's, it's amazing. You have folks with Pentecostal backgrounds or Catholic or Baptist or some who have no Christian background, and they come to the Word of God with such a different perspective. And so it's a challenge, but also a great joy to be able to uh, share the Lutheran doctrine, what it means to be a Lutheran Christian, uh, word and sacrament, uh, the idea of, of being called to repentance, but the idea of justification by faith. They've heard it. They've heard it said and proclaimed, but to actually dive into it and understand it is a different story for them. And, and so that's a, it's really a joy to be able to do that in this environment. Uh, in the very beginning, when you lead Bible study, to be quite honest with you, it's such a daunting challenge because they come at you with such a different perspective. It's not your normal, traditional Bible study. And so you have to have patience, and you have to have uh, wisdom, and you have to be able to perceive what they're saying and where they're coming from, and then gently lead them back to the truth the Word of God and what it means. Uh, so it's, to be honest with you, it's a, it's a challenge, but also a blessing to us, because you, you get a different perspective that you wouldn't get unless you were in this kind of environment. Do you perhaps have a, a story of an individual that you might be able to share that, that illustrates that, that shows us um, that uh, someone coming and hearing the Word of God, they, they may have come for other reasons, but... Uh, Ultimately, God knows what he, he brings them there for. Do you have a story of, of someone like that? Sure. Um, there's a gentleman that I have a great respect and the admiration for. His name is uh, Mr. Hightower. Um, his, his full name is Robert Hightower, and he speaks very eloquently. He's got a very uh, baritone voice, and he speaks uh, in an educated manner because he does have an education, but he happens to be homeless. Uh, in fact, he's a homeless man that is a, if you can believe it, he, he actually travels to the south, to North Carolina, during the winter months. In fact, that's where he is right now as we speak. But he's homeless. Uh, he's homeless down there. He's homeless up here. Uh, he, he came to our church and attends our Bible study and our worship service with a different perspective, not Lutheran. But over time, he's, become, uh, he's begun to understand what it means 
justification by faith, um, to be called to repentance. He understands uh, what the gospel is in a different way. So uh, that he was a different way than he was brought up. And now he understands. In fact, when we're leading Bible study, he actually helps me. He actually recognizes other individuals that are not getting it correctly or have a slightly wrong understanding, and he'll correct them. It's, it's amazing. I've had so many times when I'm about to bring up a topic or refer to a, a scripture lesson to illustrate my point, and he'll do it instead. He's, he's an amazing man. Deaconess Kelly, how is it that you are able to continue to carry out this ministry, this bridge ministry, and serving in the community? How is that? Uh, how do you provide for so many needs in the community? Yeah, um, we're very blessed um, by a lot of different churches in the area uh, that will come down and, and drop off donations um, throughout the week or uh, at different times of the year. Um, especially during these months, we have a lot of requests for blankets and gloves and, and winter gear. And so we've been, we have an overabundance of those things, even left over from last year. So we're very, very blessed by very generous people. Um, so either from different Lutheran churches or other churches in the area or uh, by individuals or groups as well. Deaconess Kelly, in the, the, you said you've been there uh, over a year now, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. In that time, what has been, what has been the most challenging day? And we'll get to what has been the, the, uh, the most joyful day for you. What's been the most challenging day for you in your ministry at Prince of Peace? Oh, my, uh, there's there's a lot of challenges, <laughs> a lot of joys too. Um, I guess one one day that was particularly challenging was um, Pastor John was away at a meeting. Actually, I think he was in St. Louis for a class, and um, we just there's um, so Pastor John had mentioned that we have some individuals with different mental health issues, and um, this particular day, someone um, broke a window inside, um, which does not happen that often. And so, just to be clear, um, but then also later on, um, someone also set this trash can on fire outside, and so they're like, Deaconess Kelly, the trash can's on fire. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, and of course, that's the day, like, Pastor John is not there, so I'm the, the person in charge. And so having to deal with that and call 911 and, and go through that process, um, they don't really train you for that at the seminary, so, um, <laughs> been, so that was... Yeah, something I've had to to learn how to do, but um, getting better at responding to to emergencies and things like that. Um, so that was a, a, a challenging day. Um, but as far as as far as joys, though, um, there's ah, there's too many. I don't know if there's like one day per se, but there's um, every maybe every month or every couple of weeks. There's actually it's getting more so. Like every week or so, I'll have someone come up to me, and they'll say like Deaconess Kelly, like I. I'm so glad you're here. Or like, I came just to tell you, oh, actually, here's the story. There's a woman that came in um, just to tell me uh, what's happening with her, her fiance or her boyfriend that he like, that he was in jail. And she's like, I just want to let you know where he is. Like he'll, he's there, but he'll get out. And, and then she, she was saying I'm that she was going to turn herself in to get her um, record clean and, and that she was going to stop using heroin because she was like, I'm done with this. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Like, I don't want this part of my life. I want to see my kids again. And, um, and she, shared, she shared, she was like, I came in specifically to tell you, tell you this because I know you have a lot of people that probably just disappear on you all the time and you don't know what happens to them, which is very, very true. 
Um, so she said, I came to tell you that. And then also just to thank you for, for being there for us these last couple months and being encouraging and supportive. And um, so that, like, honestly, that was um, one of the, the highest moments for me the last um, year and a half as I've been here. Just um, very affirming and encouraging. Uh, that brings up a, a, another interesting point. You mentioned that she pointed out that there are people that you you might get to know and then suddenly you don't hear from them again for a long time. That that may happen frequently. How do you how do you cope with that? How do you how do you manage that for yourself um, as you build relationships with with individuals with people in your community and then suddenly they disappear. Oh, it's it's awful. <laughs> it's it's that's definitely one of the hardest things. Because um, I'm a I'm a very uh, relationship oriented person, and so I love getting to know people. I love getting to know things about them, how they work, what 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 they're passionate about, what drives them. Um, and so I don't know, but I guess the thing I've kind of come to come to realize to help me cope is just to like when I'm at the church, when I'm with people, like in the moment, to to be in the moment with them and to be as present as I can and say like, well, this is, this is the time I have with them. And I don't know how long I'll have with them, but um, may God bless this time. And yeah. And then the ones that I, that just kind of disappear on me, I, I, I pray for them. I pray for them all. And um, because I mean, ultimately God is, God has them in his hand. Um, it's, it's not up, up to me, uh, but to him. So uh, prayer is another, another huge way that I used to, to cope with that. Pastor John, how about you and the relationships that you get to uh, be a part of and, and grow in the community? How do you how do you connect with the the people of the community? Well, Prince of Peace is um, really a landmark in the community, and uh, everybody knows Prince of Peace, and everybody knows Deacons Kelly and Pastor John. We we have so much mercy ministry um, that. Um, to be honest with you, uh, it's difficult not to be known. Um, let me give you an illustration. Um, uh, two years ago, um, Reverend Steve Shave, who has up our urban ministry for the LCMS, the International Center, uh, came to Cincinnati, and um, he wanted to experience a homelessness. So we both uh, put our um, belongings on our back, a small backpack, and we were homeless that night. And the idea was to be in, incognito, uh, not to uh, have people know who we were so we could truly experience homelessness. And um, it was he did it. He was successful in that goal. I was not because everybody knew me. It was uplifting, uh, though. It, was, it surprised me uh, that everywhere I went, it was like, Pastor John, what are you doing here? Pastor John, what are you doing? It was like amazing um, while we were waiting at a food truck at Wednesday night at 10 o'clock, it comes to the courthouse. There was a gentleman that tapped on my shoulder. We're all waiting in line to get our food. And he says, Pastor John, do you remember me? And I, I had to admit, I apologize, brother, I, I don't recall. And he told me there was a day that he was down and out, and I prayed with him. And he looked at that moment as a change in his life. And uh, he said to me, now I'm working for this church. I am actually helping the homeless. And I look at that moment as a change. Now, that was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. But the Holy Spirit used me in, in that moment. But it's good to see that God has a plan for people. And you asked Deaconess about, is it difficult not to hear from people? And it is definitely difficult. 
but we have to have faith in that God has a plan, and God is planting the seed, and God is looking through these individuals. And just because we don't see what happens to them, we still have to be faithful to the gospel and still proclaim law and gospel, letting letting the Holy Spirit do the work. We're talking about the mercy ministry of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. We need to take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we'll continue to learn more of how Prince of Peace Lutheran Church serves the community and brings the Word of God. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee, with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. November is National Adoption Month, but I can tell you who won't be celebrating. Sue Thayer was a manager of an Iowa Planned Parenthood for years. All that time, she said, not in any of the 17 centers all across Iowa did we have an adoption. Not once. An interesting statement, considering Planned Parenthood President Cecile Richards last year said, we do a record number of adoption referrals here in Iowa. Sue clarified Richards' statement by revealing they counted it as an adoption referral if a woman picked up an envelope containing a pamphlet about adoption. We shouldn't be surprised over 90% of pregnant women who go into Planned Parenthood have abortions. Adoption, a life-affirming alternative to abortion, is only competition for the client's money. Follow us on Twitter at Life Issues USA and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance on KFUO, inviting you to tune in to the weekend edition of the program at the new time of 7.45 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings. There'll be a different text and theme each week and plenty of encouragement and strength, which only the Lord's Word can supply. So join me for a quarter hour of God's power and strength. That's Moments of Assurance weekend at 7.45 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO. Whether you're a regular worshiper at the church of your choice or you find it difficult for you to get to church on Sunday morning, you may benefit from our live worship broadcasts each week on Worldwide KFUO. The early service at 8 a.m. originates at Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, where John Shank is senior pastor. Our live late service comes from beautiful Sabre Lutheran Church in Bridgeton, Missouri, where Pastor David Brecher presides at worship. Hear the message of mercy and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO. This is Jedi John Lekomsky and Jedi Matt Clark. Bring your droids for 30 minutes of intensive Bible study and Jedi training on Wrestling with the Basics. Saturday mornings at 9.05 on KFUO AM 850. Or on demand at KFUOAM.org. May the force be with you. And also with you. 
Saturday mornings at 9 on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Hi, this is Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. One of the treasures of the church is the many volunteers who give so freely of their time in service to others. St. Mark tells us that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To all who share the love of Christ by volunteering, I thank you on behalf of a grateful church. As you make the gospel known through word and deed, may the blessings of Christ abound in your congregations, in your neighborhoods, and throughout the world. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Faith and Family, I'm Andy Bates. We are talking about the ministry of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in the Over the Rhine neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio. Particularly, we've been focusing on the the mercy ministry, the ways that they serve their neighborhood uh, in in acts of mercy. Uh, before we went to break, in the first segment, Pastor, you mentioned that uh, the Bible studies that that you teach, uh, particularly ones of the the, the bridge ministry that uh, happened throughout the week. Um, you mentioned that y- you approach it differently, that you go about it differently. How might that be different than a uh, Bible study you might lead in a, in a different setting? Sure. Well, a Bible study in a more traditional church, you typically have an understanding that the individuals attending at least have some um, common knowledge or some common understanding of Lutheran doctrine. Uh, and so... Uh, in our environment, that's not the case. So individuals are, are coming to it with a, a, a really um, variety of different perspectives and backgrounds. And so you have to uh, be very, you have to have a trained ear to understand where they're coming from and why are they saying that. And instead of reacting like knee-jerk reaction to, nope, you're wrong, trying to understand, pull it out of them, why are they saying that, and then gently show them the truth, show them uh, for example, justification by faith, or uh, a simple thing that you would understand in terms of real presence in the Lord's uh, Supper, uh, that is not uh, an understanding that they have. And to uh, reveal that to them, to show them, to teach them, uh, is both fun, uh, it's a blessing, and also a challenge. In a community where there is, and many communities have this uh, homelessness or poverty uh, that, that are affected by that. I see that um, that your congregation embraces several things that are beautiful. I, I understand that the arts are a part of your congregation, in particular the bridge ministry. Deaconess Kelly, would you like to tell me uh, about the what role the arts play in the uh, the bridge ministry? Uh, well, we um, we have a as a, a whole as our church we have a Prince of Peace Community Arts Night uh, that might be what you're referring mm-hmm. to, um, and so that's just one of the the ideas that we were brainstorming of like how do we how do we reach out to 
um, more than just uh, people experiencing homelessness in our neighborhood. Or, and so we're, we're once a month, we have a community arts night where people different, can share their gifts and their talents. Um, so this last Sunday evening, we had a violinist come and play. And then also an 11-year-old singer-songwriter uh, from the area came and, and, um, and shared her talents as well. And so we're, we're just really trying to reach out and provide a night of, of community and music and arts and really celebrate um, those, those blessings in, from God and, and to be able to share our sanctuary space um, with people who might not come in for other reasons throughout the week, um, but would maybe feel more comfortable coming to a concert or something of that like. Hmm. Pastor, I think you mentioned earlier that uh, during the, or one of you mentioned earlier during the the winter months, the um, uh, those who are homeless are invited to to sleep in your church. I can imagine those who are outside of that context, who who don't live in that context every day, may have a lot of questions. Well, how do you do that? How is that safe? Uh, there, you. How do you keep everyone else safe? And and uh, probably a ton of other questions. What are your answers to those questions? How do you respond to someone who perhaps is outside of your context doesn't understand that? How do you uh, how do you answer those questions regarding opening up your doors to uh, the homeless so that they may sleep in a a safer, warmer environment during those winter months? Well, um, Isaiah 58, uh, God speaks to his prophet, and he says to the his chosen called people that he's not happy with their fasting, uh, that they wear sackcloth, uh, sackcloth and pour ashes on their forehead, uh, pretend like they're repentant for all the time. They don't care about their brothers and sisters that surround them. And it says in Isaiah that if you open your home to the homeless, if you feed the naked, if you, excuse me, if you feed the hungry, if you clothe the naked, if you take care of the widows, then I will rebuild your ancient walls. Um, and so we, we still gather around word and sacrament. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's, that's still the heart of uh, who we are as a church. Uh, but we can't just say, I love you, brother or sister, and not worry where they're sleeping at night, especially in the winter. So for the last, I think it's been seven years, we are a cold shelter. Uh, from mid-December to the end of February, we open our doors and the homeless sleep in our undercroft. Um, we can house about 45 individuals. That's maxed out. Um, we work in conjunction with the other um cold shelters, which is about a mile and a half away from us. But the individuals that live in over the Rhine, the homeless that live in over the Rhine, need a place to stay. Otherwise, they could die in the winter months. Uh, and you're right, Andy, there's lots of details. The logistics, uh, the expense, uh, the safety precautions, the procedures, a uh, simple thing of uh, locking the bathrooms, um, so that folks can't go in there and do things they shouldn't do, or um, having procedures in terms of ingestion and making sure that uh, the women are separated from the men and uh, that we have lights out at 10 o'clock and the way that we interview folks when they come in and anyone has um, health issues, uh, the, the computer system that we use to ingest them and so on and so on. It's it's not easy. It It, it is expensive and... There's lots of um, 
details that we spend long hours working through. And even after all that's said and done, there's still issues after, there's still problems that arise, and we have to change. We have to add something. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll do so. Uh, but to be faithful to God's Word, uh, mercy ministry, and for those things that we see people are truly hurting, we, we have to address it. You see the need. You aim to address it as you are able, as you are gifted to do so. Uh, and, and those, those, you know, the answers to those questions that, that someone outside your context may have, it sounds like they're, they're addressed, they're managed. Those issues, the things that may be problems or issues, it sounds like you've taken a very, um, a very well-rounded approach to manage the things that could potentially be problems. Doesn't mean that there won't ever be problems, but you've really made a concerted effort to to manage potential issues, potential problems. We have, and and, and because we responded to them, and things occur, and so we react. But we we have, uh, so we work through a, a temporary agency that supplies us with a, a full-time shelter worker throughout the night from 8 p.m. till 8 a.m. every night. Uh, then we have a um, security guard that's with us every night, and and they uh, perform um, wanding and also examine all uh, bags that come in. Uh, and, and so the security guard's there all night. And then for the first part of the evening, uh, we have a individual that's skilled with com- uh, computer technologies for, for the ingestion for the software that we use. And, and this didn't happen overnight. Uh, this... Um, was a structure that uh, kept on adding and changing uh, based on the need that we, we saw. Uh, so right now, I, I believe we've refined it, perfected it to a point where, I, I you know, we, we still have disruptions. We still have drama. That's how life is. It's messy. But we've done all that we can to manage it and to handle it in a, um, a way that I think is efficient. Uh, and, and the most important thing is to provide a safe, welcome peaceful place for the homeless to sleep at night. Share with me about the, that learning process and the growing pains, learning how to, uh, to provide a, a shelter for homeless during the, the cold seasons. Well, uh, first year we did it, um, it, was, uh, it was actually staffed by the uh, city uh, uh, itself who needed us as an overflow. Uh, and so uh, we learned from them. Uh, we also learned from other agencies that have done it. And then uh, when they moved and uh, we continued to offer this to the residents, the homeless residents over the line, uh, we put together a procedure based on what we thought was best. Uh, however, we found out that we had to tweak it. Uh, an example is that instead of um, having two full-time uh, uh, cold shelter workers throughout the night, we're going to go with one cold shelter worker and one security guard providing uh, more higher-end security uh, because of an incident that happened uh, one winter where an individual got into an altercation outside of our outside of our uh, church. But nevertheless, they slept there all night. And because of that, all of the agencies now went to a security guard. You, you know what just happened in uh, Las Vegas mm-hmm. uh, with the church shooting. So there's a similar thing that happened in, in Cincinnati that we responded. Again, it didn't happen on our church. It happened outside of our church. But because of that, all the agencies that work with the homeless have now gone to a security guard. So it's something that 
adds expense to us. A uh, security guard is a higher hourly rate than a regular shelter worker, but it's something that we had to adjust to based on uh, what the world is, its sinful nature is providing to us, is challenging us with. As these needs are being met in the community, as these needs are being met in the over the Rhine neighborhood, how has the neighborhood changed? Has it changed as these needs are being met? I'd like to actually hear from both of you on that, I, from Pastor, and, and I know Deaconess Kelly's only been there a year, but Pastor, what are your thoughts on how the neighborhood has changed? Well, you, you bring up a, a very essential part to our ministry. Uh, again, I want to make, make sure people know that we are still a church gathered around Word and Sacrament. But if the ministry, uh, the mercy ministry that we do, it begs the question, are we enabling or empowering? So there's been books written, written on this, uh, toxic charity and uh, helping until it hurts and so on. We are sensitive to that. We understand those challenges. And that's why it's very important that we, uh, and it's such a blessing that we have Deaconess who has a dual uh, education in both social uh, ministry, you know, in, in terms of social service, as well as um, she's a deaconess. Because that's what we need in the mercy ministry that we provide. We want to make sure that we help people but we don't want to enable them to remain in their current situation. We want to transform them uh, through God's will, through the Holy Spirit. So tracking, um, understanding that we need to transform lives and empower, empower them instead of just enabling them to remain homeless is the key. So, for example, Andy, there's another ministry that I'm the director of. It's called Welcome Home Collaborative. It's a transitional housing program. We currently have five properties. We house 10 different families and individuals. So when they're ready to to go to that next step, we provide transitional housing. But the key there is a life coach that comes alongside that individual to create a life plan with that individual. They don't project their desires on the the brother or sister, but they work with them so that their goals, their short-term and long-term SMART goals, are at least established and gone after if not reached. So in that way, we need to provide empowering tools instead of just enabling them to remain where they are. And you ask me, has the neighborhood changed? Well, outside of the gentrification that's occurring that's outside of what we're doing, yes, I believe we are. We, we're currently working with 10 individuals, um, households to do that. And we, we also have the, the bridge ministry, which is, and I'll let Deaconess talk, but at the heart of that is to empower them, to transform them, not just enable. Deaconess Kelly, how do you see the neighborhood changing as needs are being met? Yeah, uh, I think that it uh, it's hard to, to see change sometimes. Like as we were talking before, sometimes people will disappear and you just never know if it's um, for a good reason or for a bad reason. Um, everyone, like just the other day, I ran into someone outside uh, just walking down the street and he's like, oh, Deaconess Kelly, like, I haven't seen you. And like, I'm like, yeah, where have you been? And, and he told me that he, he had got an apartment um, outside of OTR and um, he had a job. And so he had all these really good things going for him. And so, so that, was a, that was a positive thing. And, and he was like, oh, I'm so glad I ran into you. And he's like, you guys were such an encouragement to me when I was there like a couple months ago and, and thanking us for that. Um, so, yeah, there, so there's those kind of changes that, like as Pastor John mentioned earlier too, of um, just maybe we just try to plant the seed and, and, and pray that God would bless it and that it grows. And, 
and that people people's lives are transformed um and that yeah and if god so blesses us to be able to see it um that's that's always um, a huge blessing to us pastor you emphasized earlier that you are a church a church is word and sacrament ministry tell me about this uh the word and sacrament ministry of prince of peace lutheran church how do you connect those you serve through mercy uh to word and sacrament well, here's uh, an example for you. Uh, Sunday mornings at 6 a.m., we open the church and we offer a free breakfast. So when I arrive there, sometimes quarter to six in the morning, there's already a crowd outside waiting to enter. We open up the church and they help us set up the chairs and the tables, and then they have a seat and remain uh, a peaceful area for us to start cooking uh, the breakfast. We have a great uh, crew, a volunteer crew organization that's been doing it for years. Um, Rick Locke has that up, and and we start cooking breakfast. Uh, it's somewhere between 125 and 200 people that eat breakfast every Sunday morning at Prince of Peace. In the winter months, it's a larger number. And toward the end of the month, it's a larger number as uh, welfare checks run out. But at 9 a.m., we have worship. So around 7.30, 8 o'clock, we open up the doors to the sanctuary, and individuals then go up there. And so at 9 a.m., our, quote, regular regular (laughs) members arrive, and they are joining the homeless that are already there. So am I going to tell you that it's an easy mix of those two individuals, two classes of individuals? No, it's not. But there is definitely a mixture happening, and it's very uh, diverse. So not only in terms of race, in terms of African-American and Caucasian and Asian uh, there as well, uh, but, you know, the class of, uh, of individuals, in other words, homeless individuals as well as middle class and, and, and above, mixture together, worshiping uh, the risen Savior, worshiping God, uh, joining together as a body of Christ around the Word and Sacrament. It's it's a challenge, but also a great uh, joy. How do you relate to your your fellow pastors who serve in a different context? You know, to the pastor who serves in a suburban church or a rural and small town church. How do you relate to them? Tell me about the perhaps conversations you have with some of the pastors who serve in different settings. Uh-huh. That's an interesting <laughs> question. Uh... So uh, we have in Cincinnati uh, a very uh, active and uh, really receptive and, and welcoming uh, circuit. So our Winkles, in fact, I just attended a Winkle uh, this week, and uh, really the our brothers are very um, receptive to me, uh, not only as an inner city pastor but an SME, SMP pastor. I never, never uh, had any uh, issues or problems with anyone not understanding our ministry. They know it's different. But you got to understand, in Cincinnati, many of these churches actually support us. Every Wednesday night, we have a, a free community meal, and they're brought in by other churches. Um, Messiah, Christ, Grace, Emmanuel, King of Kings. Amazing support that we have from all of these churches, and the pastors there uh, are supportive of us as well. It's it's way different than a traditional ministry. So, for example, our, our 
our last uh, Winkle there talking about shooting and how they handle security. And, and I said, well, we had that. And because of that, we have um, security cards, which is strange, uh, but that's the, the different environment that we have. Um, but at the same time, um, I think it's a very exciting ministry. Many folks have told me when they come to Prince of Peace to volunteer, they feel like they're going back uh, to the time, to the days of Acts, uh, where you're actually uh, having, you know, active ministry in the streets, reaching out to people in the streets that uh, you don't normally have in a more suburban tradition, where it's more about, I'm not saying that it is, but a more of a country club uh, environment. We are nothing like a country club at Prince of Peace. Deaconess Kelly, how would you describe your vocation to that uh, that woman who may be considering a deaconess vocation? Um, what uh, what advice or what words might you share with her as she's thinking about vocation of deaconess? Oh, well, the, the role of a deaconess really varies a lot depending on um, where she's called to go. And um, but I would say if she if she has a heart for people, a heart for showing love, mercy, care, um, that's definitely the the right vocation for her. Um, I would encourage her to to look into if she, if there's deaconesses around the area to to see if she could shadow them or meet with them and learn more about what they do in the different contexts. And um, yeah, I would encourage her if she could reach out to me. I'm always up for a chat. I'd love to I'd love to talk to people who are interested in in being a deaconess. So they could uh, they could come a deaconess or a future deaconess could come visit you at the bridge ministry and learn more about uh, mercy in an inner city setting. Oh, that'd be awesome! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, what is your hope for the bridge ministry in the future? What do you uh, what do you hope for? What do you need, or what would you like to see down the road, Deaconess Kelly? Uh, well, I would. I mean, I would love to to continue to be a place where people uh, feel welcome and. and find peace and uh, a caring community i'd always love to love to see it continue to grow um, i'd love to see more uh, more volunteers being able to come through our doors and, and just be able to experience the the community that we have and um, experience um, in serving and loving there um, and we're always i mean we're always looking for for help in that way or and uh, financially or in prayers like those are those are things that we're always looking for um at the bridge ministry. But yeah, hope it continues and hope that God continues to to be at work there and, and to show his love um, and through us as as his hands and feet in the community. Pastor John, how about you? How, what are your hopes for this ministry of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Cincinnati? Well, um, like other inner city ministries, um, Usually what you have is a strong core of individuals that are supportive, uh, are members of our church. But in terms of comparing it to a more traditional church, usually the numbers are small. Uh, So we uh, continue to uh, rely upon uh, the support of uh, our surrounding churches. Uh, And so um, our goal, our vision uh, for Prince of Peace is to continue to serve God's people here and over the Rhine uh, in this eclectic, ever-changing um, environment that we currently find ourselves in, uh, meaning that uh, we we need to continue to uh, expand our membership. Uh, we need to continue to be uh, cognizant and responsible, good stewards, and uh, 
That means um, financial support is always welcome for us to continue our uh, really wide variety of, of ministries that we serve. Uh, so finding our way in this current environment to continue to serve the homeless and poor, but yet reach out to the people that are moving into it is, to be quite honest with you, a challenge for me. I'm an inner city uh, boy that grew up in the south side of Chicago. I, to to uh, understand now this current very eclectic environment is a challenge. So uh, we ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance in this uh, and continued growth um, by still being faithful to the Word of God. How have you seen those who have been served by the the mercy ministry of uh, the bridge ministry of Prince of Peace return or show thanks? How do they how do they help you do uh, what you are given to do, Pastor? Well, um, the bridge ministry has now been in existence for some time, and there's been maturity on many individuals. Uh, so. You, you ask great questions about seeing them come. Some of them move on, which is still a blessing that they've transformed into uh, get away from the inner city, uh, get away from sometimes a party atmosphere. Uh, but those individuals that remain, we see them mature enough to actually help us uh, by being leaders uh, if they remain at Prince of Peace. Uh, so, for example, there's a gentleman that's now an elder of our uh, congregation. Uh, he used to be addicted to crack. Um, he used to uh, um, have an aversion for church, um, and, and now he's such a, it's such a great joy to see him um, uh, embrace Jesus' salvation, embrace um, his, his role as a mature uh, elder within the church, and now he's leading others mm. to Christ. He's leading others by proclaiming the gospel, and his understanding of Lutheran doctrine is truly right on. And it's such a joy to see that kind of maturity in, in one of our own. My guest today, Pastor John Sugaten, he's pastor of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Pastor John, thank you so much for being my guest and, and sharing your story about Prince of Peace with us today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Deaconess Kelly Jacob with the Bridge Ministry at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Over the Rhine neighborhood in Cincinnati. Deaconess Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your story of the Bridge Ministry there. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word with Pastor Whedon on the Messenger of Good News Worldwide, KFUO. You've been listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. Or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.